0: Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. We were talking about earlier of how hard it is what they actually have to do. My wife was from Mexico, so just when she had to go, she was talking to my nieces, when she had to go to Mexico for some documents, which is actually her home country, it's not that easy. So, with Pastor Rick and Pastor Aaron and everybody else who might have gone with them from this church or from one of the other churches, it's not an easy thing what they have to do. It's not like people over there, oh, thank you for bringing the Word of God to us. Thank you for feeding us. Thank you for bringing money or bringing clothes or bringing whatever.
1: Most governments are
0: not like that. Most governments are saying, what can I get from this group? I can make it hard. I can even threaten that I'm gonna put them in jail unless they give me something. It's not just Mexico. Our United States government is the same way. All the other governments, um, I'm thinking and I'm hoping that our United States government isn't as bad as others. But I'm not exactly sure. But we know that God didn't go with that. You know, when I was a little boy, I'm gonna start with a little story. I don't know if it's because as I'm getting older, I have a lot of stories, or if it's because that's the way I was taught. My uncles growing up, when they taught me about church, always had to do with the story. By the time I was eight, nine years old, I knew the story of David and Goliath. I knew the story about Moses and the I didn't have to watch the movie, The Ten Commandments. I didn't have to watch the movie about the flood because I already knew it because my uncles were good storytellers. But hopefully, I think I can tie this story in with what I'm going to preach. I'm going to ask you, first of all, Open up to Judges, chapter 7. So, And I'll, I'll keep repeating it, because I'm the type at church, I'm always asking the person next to me, where? Judges, but I didn't hear the, the chapter. It's going to be chapter 7. But it's going to be in Judges. But anyway, so when I was growing up, I was 9 years old or 10 years old, my mom sent me to the store. And my mom's always sent us to the store when we're little. My mom sent me to go get... So either it was fruits or vegetables. I want to say onions, but onions doesn't sound that exciting. In Mexican cooking, onions is exciting. In a store, it's not that exciting. But we'll stick with onions. So she said, go get some onions, go to the store, and this and that. So onions, is not hard, right? Just got to go get an onion. So I did. Well, I found a nice big onion, and I bought it. And um, my mom goes, I got to go back to the store. I go, why? She goes, well, you didn't bring a good onion. <laughs> well, what's wrong with my onion? She goes, well, if you look, it's kind of bruised on this side. I go, yeah, but it's in the residence. It's good. She goes, no. She opens it up, peels it, and it's bruised. So she can't even use half of that. onion. Um, I learned that you got to look at things, no matter where you go, growing up. Your mom's, especially for the girls, your mom's thought, you gotta look here, you gotta look there, look at where you clean, look at where you didn't clean, all this and that. <clears throat> so the other day, we went to Costco and we bought some bananas, and of course, I picked up the bananas. Like, oh, this is easy. you know, I got good bananas. It was a good sale, and there were Del Monte bananas, and I got two packs. One was ripe, and the other one was still green, because I thought, we're not gonna finish these bananas that quickly. So, right, a lot of, I don't know, I, and I thought, I'm doing a good thing, so. We get home with the bananas, and I go, "Ah, oh, man!" And Laura goes, "What's wrong?" And I go out of this pack of seven bananas. Four of the bananas were really squishy, <laughs> so they were overripe. The other bananas were good, right? But it reminded me of my mom. My mom passed away just this November 30th. It's been 10 years. Brother really moving knows her. of course. My nieces know nothing newer.
1: Um, I wish my wife would have
0: got to me wish my my mom would have been in love. Because she would have fell in love with it. Um, but I was remembering. She asked me, "Are oh, you can get really, really sad?" No, I just remembered my mom. And uh, Laura made me enchiladas the other day, and she actually, they were some of the best enchiladas i happened. You know, and for me, I've told everybody else the story for years since I was a little boy, about 12 years old. My mom goes, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I didn't, "I just want to have dinner with my family and eat your enchiladas." So since I was about 12, to I was about, I'm 52, so until I was about 40, 41. She passed away when I was 42, 10 years ago. Um, till I was about 40 or 40, maybe 41. Every year for my birthday, she made enchiladas an and that's all I really wanted, was to sit with my sisters, and then as they got older with their boyfriend and their husband, <laughs> and we had enchiladas an And because my nieces, my little the little ones, my nieces say we had a birthday cake and went out the candles and I really didn't. I just wanted dinner with my family. But because of them, we had all that. So we did that and Laura made some. But it reminded me of my mom and of sending me to the store. And the reason why it ties into this story, if you look in um, Judges chapter 7, 1 through 8, a story in the Old Testament says, Early in the morning, Jerubal, Jerubal, that is, Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. So, Israel was going to go to war against the land of Midian, and he had Israel, King David, had a huge, or not King David, actually Gideon, they had a huge army. Israel had the best army in the land. And the Lamb of Midian, they were going to war with them. God knew my army is gonna wipe them out. But he thought, how many of you watch football players nowadays? I was watching the other day. They score a touchdown and they point to the crowd they go, me this and me that. Some of the players, some of the coaches said, it's a team effort. A lot of times when they score a touchdown, it's me. And that's the way the world is. And that's, that's natural and that's okay. I'm not going to harp on what football players do. But God said, he said, you have too many men. And he's telling Gideon this. You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against me, that her own strength to save her. So that Israel will not say. See what we did, God? We fought the battle. We conquered our foes. We did this. I, Martin, fought my battle. I, Martin, did this. I am who I am today because of who I am. So God said, I have given you too many people. And of course, God was going to teach them something with this. So that they may not boast against me, that her own strength is safer. Announce now to the people anyone who trembles against me or may turn back. So Gideon went back to his army. Any of you scared? And a lot of them said yes. So 22,000 men left. Gideon sent 22,000 men, while 10,000 remained. That means he had an army of 32,000. Right now, that's not a very big army. But back then, that was huge. And they were all very good fighters. They could defeat anybody one-on-one, one-on-three, one-on-five. They could defeat anybody because they were well-trained. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sit them for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. Now, they were going to fight another group of about 50,000 men. 32,000 men for Israel. It was easy to defeat 50,000. Okay? So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lapped the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. Now to laugh, the way they would do it is they would just go down to the water and just start drinking. Which if you go to a clean river, that's what you're going to do. Because you're safe and protected. Separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. Now Laura and I were discussing this. And to kneel down to drink, she goes, do you see the way when a lion goes to drink? Or a tiger or any animal like that? They're always drinking and looking around. to See, that's what God wanted. Who's kneeling down but still looking? That's who God wanted. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord said, separate those who laugh, right? And I'm on verse 6. 300 men laughed with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. So what did God do? The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that left, I will save you and give the Midianites in your hands. Let all the men, other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. So there we go. God was going to use 300. To defeat 50,000. Now you're going to have to read the rest of the story. It's a good story. Remember, it's in Judges chapter 7. Read the rest because it'll tell you how he actually did defeat them. And what they made a lot of noise with all the trumpets they had and with the stuff that they had, they did make a lot of noise. They did defeat the Midianites. But what I'm trying to get to this was that God is always looking to see who he's going to choose. God chose your pastor, Rick. God chose my sister Anna to be a pastor's wife. Not just to be under him, but to be a helpmate. The Bible says that. That's why God picks wives for us. To be a helpmate. Girlfriends. Depending on who you are, you need someone who's going to help you, not someone who's going to hurt you. You need to find someone who's looking out after your best interests, just like you would after their best interests. As boyfriends and girlfriends. Do the same thing. Girls, get used to picking early. Get used to getting the idea. I have to pick someone. Guys, too. I have to pick someone who makes me look good in front of my friends, not who's going to embarrass me. As you're getting closer to marriage, did I find the one that's going to help me establish my home? Guys and girls, not just guys, look, or just both. You're going to school. You're going to high school. You're going, what classes am I going to take? What job do I want? Do I take these classes? I can take French one or Spanish two. Or, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a Mexican family. I'm Mexican, right? So, yo puedo hablar en español. Yo puedo leer en español. I can read, speak, and write in Spanish. What did I do? Took Spanish one. And they teased me because I ended up getting a B-minus in basic Spanish. Why? Because I didn't, not that I didn't care. wanted something easy. We all do, right? Especially when we get older. What I always tell Angel, Laura Laura's, and my son, but hers from a different marriage. I always go, Angel, if I tell you something, it's not because I'm getting on your case. And it's not because I'm a smart guy. It's just that I've gone through things. So the older we get, it's not that we're smart, well, kind of, we're we're smarter now because of the experiences we go through. But when we tell younger people, like if I tell my niece Elizabeth something, it's not because I'm a smart guy and because I know it all. It's just because I've gone through a lot of bad things. I've seen my friends go through bad things. And I'm happy for my nieces. My niece Bianca, keep her in prayer. It's not easy for somebody her age come up by ourselves. It's not even it's easy for somebody of my age to come up on guitar with no I'm used to backup music because the backup music makes it feel fuller. It's like to some of you, I don't know, there are people who go, oh brother Martin, it wasn't that good, huh? Because you played it and there wasn't very many, many people in there. Or you preached or you taught and it wasn't that good because there's not that many people, huh? And actually when I sing, I close my eyes. And you can tell when I get into a song. Those of you who will watch me, because I'm not that good of a musician, and I'm not that good of a singer. But when I close my eyes, I'm only singing for one person. I'm actually not singing for y'all. I close my eyes, and I think, God, I'm just singing to you. Some, one time a person told me, I'm closing my eyes for the same purpose. One time somebody told me, you really get pumped up when there's 200 or that day that you played in front of 2,000, huh? And I go, no, not really. There could be 10 people in the building and I could play with a group of 10. I remember one time I took my youth group and we played and there were 16 of us. And in the church we played, there were only 10 people. Two of them were the pastors and two of them were the kids. And we had a good time. Because when it came down to it, we were worshiping together. When I preached to you or I talked to you or something like that, I look at it as I'm talking to my friends. I'm talking, I'm looking as I'm discussing with my wife. This is what I want to talk about. This is what excites me. When I talk about music, I get really turned on. I get really pumped up. Before when I was younger, like even ten years ago, when I was playing a lot in all the churches in Sacramento, because I not because I'm a great musician, again, because I've been playing in Sacramento for 30 years in different Churches, they would pick me because they knew I could get a group together. But well, my pastor opens you, well, how do you like it? He's a musician. Yeah, but he talks to everybody else but to me. And that's because other musicians would come up, hey, I like your guitar. I like the way you play it. We would just start an hour two hours of going on and about music. And they would like, yeah, he'll call me later or something like that. Because music was my passion. I've never played in a non-Christian group. I always wanted to. Because I, I, I wonder if I could dominate that. But I never did, because that's not where God wanted me. I can play on Christian music, but that's not what turns me on. What turns me on is playing Christian music. Listening to my my niece, I want to say my sister, because it they, they reminded me of my sister, Adam. But listening to my niece, and then listening to my niece speak, she could have preached here and probably done a better job than I could. The way I feel. Maybe, no, yes, you know, she'll say no, and... That would be the debate, yes or no. My point is, it doesn't take anybody smart to play music or to sing or to preach or to teach or to do. Children's church, it takes someone who wants to do it. Any of you can do it. And I don't want to take from other ministers who you see, wow, that is a great minister. Anybody can be a great minister. I can be a great speaker right now, and in my head, I'm boring you. But it's not me who prepared this. It's not me who really wants to do this. And I'm not saying I love to speak. If you guys know me, I can talk forever. But about the things that really interest me. And sometimes, when I talk to my nieces, they interest me. And Elizabeth is known. I've always listened to her always listen to your kids since they were little because it's important. to me. Angel, he was excited since yesterday, since last week, since he found out I was going to preach. This morning, he just smiled at me because he was excited that I was going to speak in front of y'all. I was nervous. But he just kept me, and I would look at him in the rear view mirror, and I would look back. Kind of a goofy smile. It's the most beautiful smile i ever seen. Because he was excited for me. So I have a story. I still have more. I just kind of went off of my story, which I do a lot. As a preacher, sometimes, we put three five pages worth of notes and we only use one page. Because I don't know exactly. I know what God wants me to say, but I don't know how he wants me to say it. Because I'm not going to feel you. So, wow, he's an intelligent preacher. I could care less if you think I'm intelligent or not. What I want is for it to change your life. So, do I want one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve 11, 12 people, 13 people? lives change, as long as it changes one life this morning, it's what I really care about. So Gideon was went around looking to see what the men were going to do, and he God told him, pick the ones that are looking, pick the ones that are looking to see what's out there, pick the smart ones that are always constantly watching. Is that a good wife for me? Is that a good girlfriend for me? Is that a good boyfriend? Is this a good job opportunity for me? Is this a good class for me to take? Is this decision that I'm making and crossing the crosswalk is that a good decision? Do I need to look both ways before crossing, or can I just cross?
1: Because God is
0: looking also. God is not looking to see if Elizabeth made all A's in high school, if she's going to college, if she's she's not looking to see if I'm. Making myself smarter. He's looking to see is Martin's heart open to me today? Is he watching for me? Is he listening to me? The only way you're gonna hear God's voice, there's only one way to hear God's voice. Talk to him. Because if you don't talk to God, he's not gonna talk back to you. Lord, give me more wisdom, give me more smarts, give me more patience. This I heard all my lap and I never understood. Don't ask God for patience. Because the minute you ask God for patience, he's going to give you more problems. Because he's not going to go to you and say, boom, you got patience. No, he's going to say, you're going to have a problem here, you're going to have a problem here, you're going to have a problem here. Because you overreact, right? I overreact. You can ask Laura. Yesterday, and I didn't want to tell her this, um, I was upset at work for whatever reason. I'm, I'm a waiter at Chevy's, and I had one big party party, you get a good tip. At a party of 25, so I got off into the party room. I was going to have a party of 25 for one server. That's pretty good. They trust me. All of a sudden, they get here, well, a party of 25 turned into a party of 15. You know, okay, it's not that good, but I could probably take some other tables or something like that. So we waited and waited. I couldn't take other tables in case there was a party of 15. Seven of them showed up, and they were waiting. Yeah, more are coming. And when a party of 25 turned into a party of seven, my party of seven wanted the bill broken up. And I probably shouldn't say this because you guys go to restaurants and this, this is what waiters think of you. But this is what waiters think. My party of seven wanted three. The night before I had a party of 22. And they separated the bill into 10 separate bills. Which makes it hard on the server. Makes it hard on the computer because the server doesn't know the computer that well. And it has to separate everything. But most people, we found out that this is the mentality. And it's okay because we love being servers. Those that are servers. If you, I love my job. I don't need to be a server, but I I I actually like it because I get to talk to everybody. Again, I told you guys I love to talk a lot. But a lot of people go, "Oh, he's going to give a tip. I'm not going to give anything. Nobody will know anyway." So there were ten tickets. Five of them tipped me. Okay. Five of them did not. Yesterday, three bills for seven people, and that was basically my night. One of them tipped me. One of them tipped me okay, the other one tipped me very low, and the third one didn't tip me at all. And when you think about it, even at 10%, it should have been a $20 tip. I didn't get anywhere near that. But for the area that it's in, you think, it's going to be $40. You know, it's not bad. But we learn, as waiters, some nights are good, some nights are not. You just take the good with the bad. But people decide to do different things. Everybody's thinking of, and I've always believed, what you sow, you shall reap. And I don't know how many of you understand that, but what you plant is what you're going to get. Now we grew up in the vineyards. Rick's family grew up agriculture, also. You know that if you plant vineyards, you're going to get vineyards. My dad did everything during the year that he should: prune them right, fertilize them right put sulfur and all that when you're supposed to water them right, you can get a big crop. You don't do all that stuff because I don't want to spend the money. You can get a small crop, which means when you harvest them, you're not going to get very much. You grow an apple tree, you're going to get an apple tree. You're not going to get oranges. You're not going to get peaches. You grow a small apple tree and you treat it small, you're going to get small apples or not very many. You add into it and you'll get something special. God is always looking again. He's always deciding. He's always picking. The other one who's picking and looking and is very smart and intelligent, Satan. He's also watching us. He's also deciding, God picks him and God picks her. They're kind of weak in how they believe. I pick them. Mark's kind of hot-tempered. Oh, but I was going to say, when I got into all that, the reason why... I don't believe in, this, in the, in the zodiac sign, I really don't. But just for the story, I am a Gemini. Gemini has like two personalities. They call them the twins, because sometimes it's the loud one and the quiet one. I happen to have both, which is what Gemini is. Again, I don't believe in it. And just really quick, why I don't believe in it. I believe that God put all the stars and the planets and everything together. And I think that God put the stars and the planets, the moon, and all that. And when things happen, it reacts on us. And I think God did that for a reason. Somebody, by saying, put it, hey, this is what I noticed that God did. Name it something. Name it astrology. Name it the zodiac signs. Name it that the earth and the wind and the moon and all this, that's why. Not because of God. But. So he makes us think that the zodiac signs the zodiac signs in itself, they're not good. But God did move all this. So when somebody put a Gemini, I go, I don't believe in that, but I am that. And yesterday, my manager was there, and one of the girls that she was also in the party room. She goes, they were talking about it, I go, if you would pick what I was, what would you say I was? And the girl goes, well, I'd say you're a Gemini because of the way you are. And I go, yeah, actually, I am a Gemini. That's what I am. And both her and the man and my manager go, oh, that explains things. And Laura's always told me, you're a Gemini. You act like one. The characteristics, again, don't believe in the zodiac signs. But I do believe that God put the planets and the stars and everything else together for one purpose for us. Satan also looks. Martin has the characteristics of a Gemini bad characteristics, and he's going, I can use that. I can use, Martin's got a lot of good characteristics. He wants to serve God, he wants to preach, he wants to teach, and he wants to play music, but he's got some bad characteristics that if I use those characteristics and show him, I could probably knock him down. So he tries, and a lot of times, and you guys all know what I'm talking about. When I talk about me, I'm also talking about you. So when I say Martin, you guys say your name. Martin has gotten knocked down a lot. Martin has done a lot of things he's not proud of. Martin has failed God on a yearly basis. I'd hate to say on a monthly basis, and I'd hate to say on a weekly basis, and I'd hate to say on a daily basis. But it's very possible. So remember, when I'm saying me, you say you. But God still loves me, and He still uses me, and He still talks to me, and He still teaches me. God wants to see what I have in here. One of the things that the girl at work said, she goes, "Most Gemini's are jerks." <laughs> And she goes, and most of them are so nice and giving. Because supposedly they have a two personality. She goes, you look like you could be a jerk. Sometimes you sound like, I go, he's so passionate when he gets upset about something. And it's because I get passionate about everything. You want me to get passionate? Let's talk about the Raiders. You want me to get passionate? Let's talk about the Warriors. You want me to get passionate? Let's talk about God. Let's talk about Christian music. Let's talk about Christian bands. Let's play some music together. Let's sing some songs together. You'll see me get passionate. God likes to use your passion. You better look at your wife, your significant other, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, know who you are, and say God, thank you it's a good person in your life, thank you. Even if it's not a good person in your life, thank you, Lord, for letting me see it. Now help me. Don't give me patience with them, Lord, because it'll just going to be more problems. There are things we don't need to ask for. Lord, I want to be closer to you. God's right there. He's inside me. If you said, Jesus, I accept you with my whole heart, I'm sorry for my sins. He's inside me. He's all around me. I remember when my mom did pass away and we were very sad. The pastor came up and told us, told my dad, he goes, Brother, your wife is even closer to you than she ever was. And he didn't understand. I just looked at him like, Where's he coming with this? I know he's going to teach us something, but where are you going with this? She goes, Where's God? Where's Jesus? In heaven. But where else? Well, he's everywhere. He's inside me. And where did your wife go? With Jesus. So where is she? In heaven. Where else? Inside me. Where else? She's everywhere. She's closer to you now than she ever was before. My wife Laura would have gone through a lot of hard things. She lost, she had seven kids. She lost three of them, three, right? One, two weeks after he was born, a 10 year old, a 12 year old, he went to go look for his brother, to bring him home. They were little. Two bars from his house, he got hit by a, by an SUV, a small SUV. He was riding his bike, head trauma. She was pregnant with a baby, and her little boy lasted a week in a coma, three one week. Before that week was over, and she was looking after her little boy and traumatized, she miscarried her baby. So she lost two in one shot. And I guess she always asked God, why? Well, they're with her. That's not why God did it. That's my human answer. To comfort someone I love. They're with you. And if you stay in God's ways, you will see them again. And maybe if they would have been here, maybe they would have suffered. We don't know. But we do know that God loves us. And if she can be hopefully, feels something good about it, is that she knows that God loves her, which I know she does, that she'll see her kids someday. She'll never have to see them suffer. She's got four other kids. They can still suffer, but that's why we pray for them. We don't ask God to give patience, because he'll just give more. You know, God's going to teach you something. He's not just going to say, okay, you're smart, okay, you're paid, no, no, no. He's going to give you math problems. He's going to give you life problems. He's going to make you smarter. He's going to give you problem problems, give you patience. I've always been passionate about music. I've always been passionate about preaching. I've always been passionate about teaching God's word. Because I'm passionate about that doesn't mean that God's just going to, okay, you're a great musician and you're, no, I practiced a lot. I don't practice now as much as I used to when I was younger. But every day I used to practice an hour or two hours every day. So that's what you got to do. And whatever job you do, teachers, angels teach her. She told us she goes home every night. I don't know how their pay scale is nowadays, but back in the day, I always complained that it was nowhere near, I don't know how it is now. But she goes home, she grades their work, she preps for the next day. She goes, I don't get to sleep till 11.30 at night because I'm doing schoolwork. She better, She loves what she does for the kids. We need to do that also because Satan is looking at you. So needless to say, Gideon took the army of God. They defeated the Midianites. He did what God told him, and he picked. He said with only 300 people so that they couldn't say, we won because we're so great. No, God was teaching them, this is how you worship God. This is how you praise me. This is why you thank me. With 300 men, we defeated, I don't know if it was 30, I don't know if it was 40 or 50,000, but something like that. It wasn't like 10,000. It was like in the thousands. It was like 20, 30, 40, 50,000. That's what he did. Joshua One five nine, 5, 9. And this is basically, Joshua 1, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 7 says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law, my servant, Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law, which is the Bible, back then they didn't have the New Testament, it was the Old Testament, and it was called the book of the law, depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If you don't read the Bible, you're not going to know what to do. God is not going to say, Elizabeth, I need you to do this and this and this. This is how I want you to worship me. This is how I want you to praise. This is how I want you to see me. This is the way I want you to look for me. I'll talk to you, but you need to talk to me first. The reason why we have altar calls, my pastor always used to tell me, because God wants you to take one step forward, and he'll take the other step. As a matter of fact, all you gotta do is take one step forward, and God will take the other three, four, five, six, whatever steps it takes, he'll take the rest. God could tell you, take one step forward, because I'll take the other one, and in his mind goes, just take one step forward, because I know I'm telling you I'll take the other step, but I'll take the other seven or eight that need to be taken because I love you that much. Be courageous. Do not let the word of God depart from your mouth. Do not stop praying. Do not stop seeking for God. Keep your eyes open, because you don't know. My uncle used to tell me, whenever you have a dream, keep a pen and pad next to you, because you never know when God wants to talk to you in a dream. And if you think you have a good memory, until in the morning I'll remember, and then I'll write it down. No, you'll forget. How many of you have woken up from a dream? I dreamt something. You don't even remember You dream. Halfway through the day you go, hey, I had a dream last night. And then later on in the night you go, hey, I dreamed about this, but you don't remember all of it. Oh, and he, when I woke up in the middle of the night for my dream, you should have wrote it down. Because you don't know that God might lose that dream, that he might decide to talk to you. When I pray for people, I remember telling Laura this. When I pray for people, there have been times that I've said weird things to people but I had a hurt in my stomach. But I was thinking, oh God, what if I say this and they go, brother, you were totally wrong. That's not what I'm praying for. That's not even going in my life. That's not even... But when they said, brother, I know it was from God because I didn't tell anybody. And when you told me what you told me, and I go, oh, and I get that feeling inside. It's from God. And sometimes God has had me pray for somebody and I don't even know why. And a month later they said, This and this happened, but, and they go, hey, and I didn't need to tell them because, you know, you don't go telling everybody, hey, I prayed for you. That was because I prayed. You don't do that. But you go, wow, I prayed, and that person came to mind. I actually should have said something. I actually should have said, can I pray for you? I'm not exactly sure why. I feel God is telling you, but I don't know. And maybe they don't even know. Sure, pray for me. It's okay. And a week later, you know what? Thank you for praying for me because I went through this. I've gone through enough little things to where I could talk to anybody and say, hey, you know what, I went through that and God showed me this. I told my wife, I was never a great drug addict. I was never a great, I was never a great for this. I was, you know, or not great, you know. I was never, but I did enough of different little things that God took me out of that if somebody, if a young person goes through something, I can tell you how to get out of it. Usually it has something to do with God, so you might, if you don't want to hear about God, you might get bored it. But it has to do with God, God took me out. John 3.30 says, I must decrease so that God can increase. This is how I do my, my lessons. I do a different thing. A lot of the pastors, moves, it's just my way of thinking. My brain functions this way. I knew what I wanted to talk about and I had an idea of a couple of scriptures. Judges was one of them in Joshua. What was I going to fill in with it? So then when I finally got done, it looks like this, with different verses. And I highlighted the verses. Why? So that I will not forget. I can, you know, I'm lost. What verse am I supposed to look at? Oh, it's right there, it's highlighted. And it's got the way I want it to. Today I was going, oh, maybe I should put this point in front of this point or this point. And I said, no, I'm going to do it the way God was showing me because. I don't want to get lost in my train of thought, which God goes, you will anyway, because I'll tell you what to fill in. They will tell us, make out a skeleton, points with subpoints, and God will tell you what to put. I have nothing now I was going to say about my nieces or about my brother-in-laws. Keep them in prayer, because they need it. Just like my, my brother-in-law and my sister, I know they pray for you guys every day. I don't even have to ask them. I know they are. Keep them in prayer every day. For my niece as a young person, I'm fixed pretty hard. Because I did not make the decision to be in charge of music until I was well in my, early, my late 20s, early 30s, because I was way too immature. All I thought about was, what kind of music am I going to create? What kind of music? Now I just have fun with it. You've heard me sing that little rap tune. That's a fun song for me. But it, there's a reason for it. Back in the day, you say, oh, rap is not good. Rap is of the world. Rap is of the devil. And to a certain extent, you might right. But I always tell them, well, rock is not good. I like classic rock. 70s. So when you hear me play, you hear a little bit of blues. You hear a little bit of classic rock. You might even put a little rap in it. And you hear a little salsa, which back in the early 80s was not a good thing to mix up. Because that was not holy music. A lot of ministers back then, for when I would say God's not dead, kind of in a bluesy, out, rocked out way, I found out way later that they would tell the pastor, the leaders would tell the pastor, you need to put Brother Martin in disciplinary action. You need to sit him down because he's not godly up there. He's not taking this serious. The pastor wouldn't do it because he knew that the young people I was youth pastor at the time, they loved me. I had over 100 young kids in my church at the time, and they loved me. And I did the things, I did it for them. I wanted them to see God made music. Satan stole it, called it rock, and made it evil. God made speaking and rhyming and all that. The world called it rap. And it's evil, because it's not right, because it talks about all this and that. God made blues. And to play the blues, you got to go through hard times and be sad, supposedly. God made up. Satan took things and distorted it. I, I, I would tell people all I'm doing is taking it back and giving it to God because he's the original owner of it. My way. This is the way I view things. I view things that you can do. The Bible says we can do anything we want in this world. And the other people go, all right, I can do whatever because God will bless me anyway. But then he also says, but you will not do anything in this world. Because not everything is good for you. God doesn't. God, if God was not a living God, he wouldn't care. Go ahead. Smoke, drink, get high. Different women, women, different men. Abuse your children. Do whatever you want. Because I said you can do whatever you want. But not everything is good. And the money that care, God cares about it, is you. So yeah, he does tell you you can do whatever you want. But he wants you to look with your heart With your eyes, with your ears. Is it pleasing to God? Ask yourself every day, did I do what's pleasing to you? In the morning, go, Lord, I want to do everything that's pleasing to you. And if you tell him that, remember, if you ask it; you're going to get it. Lord, I want to do everything that's pleasing to you. All right. Every time you do something that's not pleasing to me, I'm going to remind you. And I'm not going to say, hey, behold, I don't like that. Parents on a day, one at the restaurant the other day, one, two, and two little girls. They were about three and five, or four and five, or something like that. Three, four, five. They were counting with the mom. She said, so "I told you guys to stop." They're doing whatever they want. God doesn't do that. I'm going to remind you. Bam! Hear this. God, that hurts. Well, yeah, but I really do want some money. We're supposed to. I know the world says no. Lightning's favorite kid. It's not to beat them. It's not to hurt them. It's to hey, listen. I need you to listen. You know, something that's hot. Don't let them ever burn themselves. But something that's hot. Yeah, go ahead. Touch that. You don't want to listen to me. It's hot. Hot. I remember uh, your cousin Mariah. Hot. You remember Mariah. Hot. Huh? hot. Burn <laughs> yourself. God does the same thing. Burns you a little bit. Hot. Okay, hot. You still always, okay, it's hot. I understand. And then we forget. God, I, I remember, Lord, it's, it's hot. 52 years old? Yeah, Lord, I'm remembering again. It's, it's still hot. Because We forget. Romans, chapter 8. And I'm going to finish up. And I'm just going to read it. I'm going to pray that God lets you understand what I'm trying to say with this. Romans, chapter 8, verses 26 on down. Now, I'm going to skip around. I'm not going to take it out of context. It's not something. It's just that I want you to understand this. In the same way the Spirit helped. No, not actually 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good, for those who love him, who have been called. You have been called. Everybody has been called. When you hear about a pastor, he's got the calling, right? He's got the calling to preach. No, well, yes, but you have been called also. So don't say, no, the calling is for the pastor, for the minister, for Bianca, for Raquel, for who's ever up here. No, the calling is for you also, okay? According to his purpose, some to preach, some to teach, some to play music, some to sing, some to be good storytellers, or maybe a boring storyteller, depending on which, which one you think I was. For those God foreknew, for those that He knew ahead of time, He also predestined. There's a part of the Bible that also says, He knew you before you were born. This was a part that I was not going to say because I'd say, I'm going to make them laugh and then I'm going to lose them. He knows every single hair on your head. It's easier with me because God me little. But he knows every little detail about you. So he, pre, he foreknew you. He knew you. The Bible says, from the womb of your mom, I knew you. From before you were born, I knew you. From before that I made, because God made the world, Jesus is God. Before I made the world, I knew you. You. I knew you. I knew all of you. I knew you over there at the computer. I knew all of you before you were born. I knew that you were going to go through the deaths in your family. I knew you were going to go through the ugly divorces. I knew your dad or your mom was going to leave you and abandon you. I knew that the closest friend in the world that you have, or your wife or your husband, was gonna die. I knew everything that was gonna happen to you. And I want you to know that I'm gonna be there for you at every step, even when you don't feel me. So those he foreknew or knew before birth, he predestined. He knows where you're gonna be at. He knew I was gonna be here 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 1,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago. God knew I was going to be here. Maybe not a great preacher, maybe not a great teacher, maybe not a great musician, but he knew I was going to be there. So really quick, for those God born to you, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. So he's calling you. He predestined you, he called you. He also justified you. That means he forgave you. That means he made you perfect. You don't look perfect. I don't look perfect. But you are perfect in God's eye. And those he justified, he also glorified. When he talks about you in heaven, he says, this is my son. This is my daughter in who I am well pleased in. Just like he said about Jesus. What's your name? Angel. Angel. Angel? Oh, easy name for me to remember. I God right now is probably talking about you and saying, angel is my son. And he's perfect in my eyes. And I want all the angels to know, and I want Satan to know, that you are not allowed to touch him. Because he's my son. And I love him. And I would do anything for him. That's what God is saying. That's what these scriptures mean. That's what means that he knew you before you were born, that he called you, that he predestined you, that he justified you, which means he forgave you for everything you've done, everything you're going to do. He already forgave you, and he's going to glorify you. It's just up to you to open each person, Elizabeth, Laura, Raquel, Ruben, all of you. I picked those names because I know those names. All of you. He's glorifying you on a daily basis. Just because you don't believe it does not mean that he's not. You didn't know God, didn't mean he wasn't there. He was there anyway. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Down in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? As it is written for your sake, we face death all day long, we are considered the sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than a conqueror through anything we might go through. Verse
1: 39, neither height nor
0: death nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know what you can get out of this. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. As a matter of fact, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do all the call, but I'm gonna ask all of you to come up as one. Come up first two rows or up to the front. Just be together. That's all it's gonna be. One last scripture, and then this will finish in prayer together. John four four. You dear children are from God, and have overcome them because of the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. If you're a Christian, other people aren't going to understand you. They'll try to, but they can't. They'll think, oh, what a nice person. Oh, he's fine. But they're going to think, oh, what a idiot. They don't have fun. They don't have nothing to look forward to. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. You need to look towards your pastors. We need to pray for each other to help. If you don't pray for me, my dad was non-Christian. My mom was brought up in a Christian home. My dad was not. My mom left her Christian home to become a different faith so that she could marry my dad. After 18 years, I was 17. My dad and my mom became Christians. My great grandmother, who was 90 at the time, asked me to come to the house. I was the oldest grandchild. I, I used to hate going to her house because she always had me keep her on full blocks, wheelchair, Arth- arthritic, old. Prayed. She said she prayed for 10 years and she could die because of her arthritis so bad. She's still alive when she, well, she asked me to come over. And this was all in Spanish. And she was a preacher when she was young, a Pentecostal preacher. So when she would talk and she would get into a flow about God, her little bony hands would just start walking, back and forth like this. And she said, Nico, I've been praying for your mama and your daddy for 20 years. She goes, I prayed that God would say, and she just went on and on. And even though it was hot and I was sweating, I was so happy. She goes, I've prayed for you. Since the minute you were born. And they all told me God will use you when when they just went on and ripped it. And she goes, And today I'm happy because your mom and your dad are Christians. And I've been praying for them with you since they were born. Since the day my daughter, which was not actually her step granddaughter, but she treated her as a daughter, since the day my daughter met your dad, I've been praying for them. And she goes, and if I die, I die happy This she's my last daughter that I have to worry about. And I learned that day that if nobody else was praying for me, because I was doing drugs at the time. And I went to church when my parents got saved, drugged up, I did not want to listen. And during one of those days, God did catch me. And I failed him late years later. And I came back to him and I failed him again and I came back to him was, if my grandmother wasn't the one person who was making praying for our family, I don't know what would have been safe. So if God tells you to pray for somebody, you might not be telling me to pray for that person. You might be the only person. If that person dies without them, and it's your fault that you don't pray for them. that's not a good thing to have. God will not punish you, punish you. But don't have that on your mind. So remember, God wants you to have your heart open all, all the time. You don't sing songs just because I wanted to be out she had to go teach me. that one song, the last song, beautiful, the one I love, beautiful, the one I adore, just because of who you are. Close your eyes, and you can do this out loud, or in your heart, but do it. Heavenly Father, I am sorry for all my sins. I'm sorry for the bad person that I am on a daily basis. I'm sorry because I reject you every day. I'm sorry because I sin against you every day. I'm sorry because I am no good. When you've given me everything to be good. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, the ones that I made in the past, the ones that I made today and the ones that I may make in the future. Forgive me, Lord. Jesus, whether you've already done this or I haven't asked you to, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me and to make me a new creature, to make me born new again, to be a child of God. To have you as my father and to have me as your son I ask for forgiveness and I ask to be a Christian and now I thank you Lord because I know you've heard my prayer and I know that you've forgiven me even though I might not feel it even though I might do bad tomorrow. I know you've forgiven me and I know that I am a Christian and I will try every single day I will take that one step forward and try to make my life better to make my life right, my my life right in your eyes and to make good choices and to worship you and to praise you and to love you i ask it in jesus name and i also accept this in jesus name and the whole body of christ says amen